0: Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Hi ladies, thank you for joining us today. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Lately, we have really had to break out our inner warriors to deal with the anxiety of the coronavirus. Oh, goodness. I want you to know things are going to get better. And now more than ever, we need to lean on our warrior woman community. So I am committed. We are committed to bringing you stories of inspiration during this time because I know we really need it. But hang in there, sisters. I am with you. I got kids at home. I got the dogs are barking. It's raining every day. Uh, cabin fever, day 107. So we are together. You can always find more about this, about me and this show by going to thewarriormoms.co and clicking the podcast link. And if you like this podcast, leave us a positive review because these positive reviews have us raise higher in the rankings. So please, that would be really great. Remember to hit that subscribe button on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify to keep up to date with the episodes of the new warrior women. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have a new sponsor and it is so good. It makes me tear up. That's right. Mrs. Chips Cookies. Now I am not one for sweets in general, but let me just say these cookies are out of this world. If you are searching for the perfect cookie, search no more. Mrs. Chip's chocolate chip cookies. That's my favorite one she has. They have a crisp outside and the perfect chewy center. And each chocolate chip cookie is individually wrapped and hand topped with French sea salt. It is so decadent and so delicious. It makes the perfect gift too. It comes in this little black and white striped box. And it says Mrs. Chips cookies on the outside. It is fabulous. You can also get a combination box. I like to order that one with s'mores cookies or sprinkle cookies and the chocolate chip with French sea salt cookie, which is to die for. Guys, I my kids love these. I love them. They are my favorite cookies by far. And I have to tell you, once you've had one of hers, you're kind of ruined. <laughs> you can't have another one. Don't forget to use code warrior 10 for your 10% off. So go to MrsChipsCookies.com and order your cookies today. They're the best. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine and someone who really means a lot to my family, Meg Zucker. Meg is the founder and president of Don't Hide It Flaunted, which we call D-H-I-F-I because Don't Hide It Flaunted can sometimes be long. Meg (laughs) has a genetic condition called ectrodactyly that she passed on to two of her three children, a lawyer with over 20 years of experience in the field of anti-money laundering and anti-terrorism on Wall Street, Meg found her DHIFI calling in 2009 when her oldest son of three children was bullied on the playground in elementary school because of his difference. Deciding to make lemonade from lemons, that experience created an opportunity for Meg to speak to students, teachers, and other faculty at schools about the importance of unconditional acceptance of one another. Fast forward, and DHIFI, Don't Hide It, Flaunt It, is now a 501c3 not-for-profit organization that, among other things, partners with Scholastic to create Flaunt It-related programming in schools, sharing people's differences. Also sharing DHIFI's mission of empowerment and empathy, Meg has been both published and featured in national magazines and newspapers and featured on television shows, including NBC's Today and The Learning Channel. So G H I F I is very close to my
1: heart. I can't wait to talk about it. Welcome, Meg. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so honored to be a part of this and happy to share my life story and also what motivated me to start Don't Hide It Flaunted.
0: I'm so excited to talk to you today. I know you because of your work with Don't Hide It Flaunted, and it's been really Really a game changer in my family so let's let 's kind of get to the sort of beginning of the story. Tell us about your condition, the ectrodactyly, and what has been your experience living with this through the years
1: so let 's just say that ectrodactyly, it sounds like a dinosaur type <laughs> <laughs> um, and I really didn 't even know I had that label for years and years. In fact, when I was applying to law school. The doctor wrote down in the application "ectrodactyly," and I was what twenty-one years old, and said, "What's that?" And no way, really? Yeah, so I felt really dense. But I found out that even though it sounds like a dinosaur type, it really just means missing digits. Okay. And so um, it kind of was telling me what I already knew. So I have one finger on each hand, um, one toe on each foot, and shortened forearms. And it's a condition. That we'll talk about more in terms of my children, but I passed it on to two of my three children, so they have a version of my difference. Um, but it's um, it's something that that I uh, I was born with, and we can talk um, at any time you want, Liz, in terms of you know the difference between being born with something versus happening. You know, well, let's yeah, let's
0: talk about that because a similar thing is my son. We'll get into that too, but yes, when you're born with something, it's sort of your normal. Right. I mean, but then when you you realize it's not as normal when other people start making little comments or or giving you the hard stares. So, what what was been your
1: experience being born with a difference? Yeah. Let me say something first and then I can go back in terms of my experience. You know, when someone hears about my blatant physical difference, the word disabled pops in their head. And even just looking at me, people presume and make assumptions. Um, and that's going to probably be a thematic discussion point as we talk. But it's interesting you had mentioned I'd, I've written many articles and magazines, and one of them was called why I hate the word disabled. And it's interesting. And I guess it's the attorney in me though. I remember realizing why I hated it. I was getting ready to go to work. And all of a sudden they were, you know, the weather report comes on and then it's the traffic person. And they're like, by the way, your day's going to be a mess. You're not going to get to work. There's a disabled vehicle in the road blocking everybody. And in that moment, I'm like, ah, I'm like this. This word "disabled" is actually used in the common vernacular as a negative, negative. and so I posted on the "Don't Hide a Flaunt page. I'm like, oh my gosh, I finally realized, and all the mothers of children that have any type of physical difference were like, right on it. They're like, exactly, our children. You know, we don't feel disabled less than. But then there was a couple of um, people that posted like, nope, I feel disabled. I do, and that and I was saying the turning me was very interested because I thought, okay. Why? Why do you feel disabled? And what I learned was, well, one of them had lost a limb in the Iraq War, and another one was in a car accident. So their life had a transformation in terms of being less and different than they were. And so, with that being said, I'll take a step back. In many respects, my genetics were with me because, as Liz has gotten to know me, um, I am super social, and um, <laughs> and that is. An advantage. It's an advantage in life, but when you're when you're physically different, it's definitely um, in your favor to not be shy and, and feel comfortable talking to people. So that certainly was with me and carried me, and in fact, enabled me to make friends easily and so forth. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know, when I was growing up, there wasn't the internet. I couldn't type in "I have one finger." What about you? And in fact, I, I lived in both, uh, grew up in Illinois, as well as the Middle East, in Iran, Afghanistan, Pakistan, Israel, and Egypt. And in those countries, um, it was, uh, my physical difference was, I mean, I was, uh, I guess if you think of the rungs of society, I was below the homeless people. Um, And in fact, my parents used to push me in a carriage and the homeless people would come up and, and beg for money, or ask for money or whatever the case may be. And in fact, they'd see one look at me and and dash off the other way because they were worried that, um, they would receive the curse that my parents had received just by even proximity being with me. So, um, so back to being social, um, but I was social, although as you start to get a little older, especially, you know, in sort of, you know, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, when, when kids are turning into teenagers and you're caring more and more and more about what yes. people think. Yes. Um, that is when I started shoving, you know, my hands in my pockets. And, you know, if you, there's a long period of time where if you see me, I'm either in front of a, a camera with my, you know, hands always behind other people or in my pockets. Um, and this was very comfortable for me because I felt like, you know what, those strangers, they, they didn't know me and I didn't want to deal with them. And, and, um, you know, my son, Ethan has a, a really interesting, um, thought that I'll share with you all. Cause you know, he was born like me and, uh, he was writing in a, in an application recently. They said, well, what have you lost? Um, name something you've lost. And I'm sure a lot of, um, kids wrote, I've lost a grandparent, I've lost a necklace or whatever. And Ethan said, you know, I've lost time. Um, I've lost time getting to know people because people have to spend time first getting past the difference and, and then, then they can sort of finally get past it and, and they'll say, they'll be the first to say after they've known you after a while, oh, you know, I don't even notice it anymore.
0: Well, see, but that's really an interesting point because it is a barrier, like a phys an outward physical difference. Yes. Is a is a barrier because even the people who don't I mean, I've noticed this with my son too. Even the people who don't say something about it. Yeah. There's a little bit of an uncomfortability and you're right, the more confident you are, the more you kind of are just out there with it and you're friendly and you know just being a normal person in the world, then they're then they start to say, Oh, okay, well, I guess it's fine, but like they there is that barrier of entry that you, yes, that you come against,
1: and it's a delay, and it's truly a delay. And you know, so you know, in it, it, and and because of that, it's I, as a person who has a, a, a blatant difference. Uh, That but doesn't really regard themselves as different because this is what they've always known. Um, It's kind of annoying. It's a nuisance. So you you know, it's sort of like, really, do we have to talk about this? So and and so hiding your hands when you're a, a you know a young teen is easier. You're like, oh well, I'm just me, and if they don't notice that part of me, then I can just be me, and they'll see me as me, and then and so. And sometimes you want to break, by the way, some days you're like, you know what? I don't want to talk about that today or have a stare today. Like,
0: I'm just going to be me. And you just, can we all just be people and just all like, you know, I know you, and you know, people have differences inside. That's the thing that really sucks. It's like, I know you got something going on inside. So whatever my thing is on the outside, trust me, trust and believe that I know you got stuff going on inside that other people can't see like whatever, you know, you've got, you know, it's funny. Like I think
1: about that all the time. Yeah, I mean look, I it, you know, being Landa's mom, I know that like I have you at hello with everything I'm saying, <laughs> which I know that that anyone under the age of something has no idea what I'm talking about, but hopefully all the good great warrior moms do. Tell us about
0: Ethan, because you know, it was really because of him that you were willing to really step outside of just even your experience. I mean, I'm sure you had been teaching kind of people as your life was going on, like teaching people how to treat you and teaching people about that having a difference. Was not the end of the world. Like, can we all just calm down? Um, but but when it comes to a kid, and that's your kid, and you're sending him out there, and you're terrified because you just are like, please God, don't let people attack my sweet son who's just trying to be his confident self. Um,
1: when did you realize you really had to take action? What, like, what was the impetus of- of I mean, I guess, I guess I should give your listeners some insight that my biggest fear in life was having a child that was born like me. Um, I was worried that he or she would blame me um, and I would blame myself. Um, And my husband, who is an amazing man, um, John was like, Meg, what are you talking about? Like he, he accepted, my husband accepted me unconditionally before I felt that way about myself and certainly, um, was, was willing to, um, you know, or or realize that in fact, our child might be born, um, different. It was a 50, 50 chance. And I, I give you that insight because I think it's important to realize, but when he came, when he arrived um, you know, we all love our children unconditionally. And and this kid was a mirror, physical mirror of myself um, from a limb difference perspective. And all of a sudden I started the journey of self-love by having him. And so um, I think, you know, what was up until that point, um, I'd gone to, um, you know, law school in New York City, um, working, you know, on Wall Street and um, really sort of this really living my life in a way that said, okay, that's just part of me, but I'm going to focus on my professional life and I'm going to have a child who's, and and this child now is born like me. And like I said, our second uh, son, Charlie, um, similarly has the condition, but not our daughter, Savannah. So so I give you that background because I think it'll hopefully help to say, so by the time Ethan was in first grade, I was raising him to feel um, like, my parents raised me, which was, you know, what you be, you do, you. Um, we're never gonna uh, uh, tell you can't do something. We're never gonna limit you. Um, we love you, and uh, and we just can't. You know, the sky is a limit. And what happened um, was, the first day of first grade, um, I got a call from the principal, and she uh, informed me that Ethan had been surrounded by a group of fourth graders so he was in first grade and fourth graders who made fun of him and um, oh. backed up against a tree and you know and he was crying and, and luckily his his friend ran to go um, get a, a teacher's aid and to rescue him in that moment and so the the principal when she's telling us about this and I should say look bullying is so serious and um, I, and for our family, it actually, um, as traumatic as it was, it's more a one-off. It has been a one-off. It's you know, I a lot of what I do, and, and we'll talk about don't hide it, flaunt it, relates to um, you know almost like getting and reaching kids before they'd ever become bullies, and we'll talk about that. Um, but in but in that moment, the principal called me and said, you know, I would really like you to come in and speak to the teachers, speak speak to them about what is it like, how best can we support. A kid like your son, Ethan? And the answer was, um, okay, let me do that. I'll go up. And it, I felt in that moment I had a new calling. And that even though I had um, sort of focused mainly on my legal career, I thought, wow, I, it felt quite powerful getting up and, and talking to them. As I walked away, though, I kept, something was really gnawing at me. And it was mainly that, I'm like, but wait a minute. Aren't we all different? Like what like why why am I there to help the teachers help Ethan? What about the kids that were willing to bully him? And so it was in that moment I started thinking up kids' flaunt and this notion, this piloted program where I couldn't help but want to empower kids like our our children who look or feel different to become a someone from a something to their peers. But I also just as much wanted to um, reach the kids that were willing to be cruel or quite frankly, out of their own insecurities and have them recognize their own differences, either theirs or their family. Cause we are families. Someone stares at like our sister or our child or our mom. I mean, they're staring at us, let's face it. And so um, that's when I realized, and this was, gosh, it's almost 10 years ago. Um, in that moment, I, I realized I had something and I wanted to develop it. So I started piloting kids flaunt just in some local schools and, in, and, and maybe a couple schools on the East coast too, to see how it went. So I'll pause there in case you wanted to ask me anything.
0: No, I, I, I think that's amazing. And I want to also have you tell the story um, about the basketball and Ethan, if you know what I'm talking about, that you wrote in our, an article for Warrior Mom, too. I want to talk about that moment, too, because that was a moment that was a game changer for me. But what I love about Don't, Don't Hide a Flaunit, and I kind of want to talk more about what it really is and why I became involved was because of my son, Landon. You know, Landon was born with right arterial thrombosis, so he has a physical difference with his arm. It kind of looks a little bit like a burn, it's very scarred up. He's had over 40 surgeries. That's actually my favorite thing, by the way. This is like one of those weird things that people have like you and me. Like when we go to the doctor, they say, they ask him, have you had any surgeries? And he says over 40. And they literally almost drop the chart. You know, they're like, what? And then they look at me, like, well, surely he's like out of his mind. And I'm like, nah, that's about right. You know, like, and like what, you know? Cause they don't just immediately notice his arm all the time. But anyway, up until that point, we really lived kind of like a normal life, and we, but we were really ignoring his difference, kind of like keeping it moving, not being victims, you know. And But when we kind of started talking to you, I realized that we were ignoring a whole part of him, that his arm is a part of him, and that being kind of unafraid to, quote unquote, flaunt his arm, being confident about it, willing to talk about it, was going to help other kids and moreover help him to feel like, This isn't a bad thing. This is something I was born with. It's, you know, everybody's got something and I want to, you know, I want to be able to talk about it. So I want to talk about, you know, well how how you've seen what dhifi really is what what the kids do and have you seen this with other kids too where you know they they kind of start talking about their difference and they go from being this this little like shy kid to being like i'm just going to like shout it from the rooftops and tell everybody you know i have adhd or i have anxiety i'm just going to tell everyone i see
1: uh, I, 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 lo- I love i love you sharing the stories about Lyndon. Um, you know it not only is what you're saying accurate, but it's at all ages. And so, um, it just even, uh, let me give you Ethan, for example, who started a flaunt club in his high school. Um, he had originally when he was doing what we call project flaunt, which is a really cool, um, um, collection, almost montage of, of pictures, it's a photograph of of a kid that a, a kid will have of themselves, or could be like any difference they have. It could be they have glasses and they're making a picture of them in their glasses. It could be some kids hold up a, a leaf because they're vegetarian and they want, you know, that reflects. We all have different differences. But um, what Ethan told me is he really expected kids with a difference to come up and present themselves with wanting to participate. What he didn't expect was the athletes, the, you know, the really popular kids coming up and saying, well, you know, I'm colorblind and um, I have ADHD or, you know, there was so much um, happening even at the high school level where, where I've seen that type of growth. So, yeah, I mean, we had a, um, the the coolest thing I've ever um, which the coolest thing I've ever experienced. So one of the things I love the most about what we do is when I hear from teachers or parents directly and the parent, you know, with a kid with epilepsy, um, you know, that's epilepsy is interesting. It's something that can be hidden. Um, and her daughter was um, not revealing it at school. And after participating in our program, um, which is now, you know, it was a pilot and now it's a national program with Scholastic, as you mentioned, Um not only did she participate and write for us and we published her in Scholastic did in, in one of its magazines with us, but, um, she did an entire presentation on epilepsy to her, her class. And, um, and it was so, um, wonderful because it it led to such an incredible educational moment. And I think that's and a leadership moment. I mean, look at that. Yes. A leadership. Yes. yes. You're right. And, and it, it really took the stigma out of it. Um, and also for her, I mean, it, it transformed the that moment where her difference was um, from shame to shine, as I like to say. Oh, I love right? that. From shame yeah, well, to shine, yes, <laughs> love that. And and that's really and that's really what I've discovered. Or I see, and it's and it gives. Me so much joy to watch these kids feel empowered and realize that they set the tone. So, you know, back to the whole bully concept, you know. But let's, before you go into that though,
0: before you go into the bullies, and I want to talk about that, let's talk about literally what DHIFI is, like what, what that is. And then let's talk about how that is kind of a preemptive strike against kids starting to get this mindset of like, oh, you're different from me. So I'm going to single you out and bully you because I, you know, for whatever reason. So let's, let's talk about exactly
1: what it is that it is. Okay. So don't hide It flaunted is a 51 c nonprofit. Um, we 51 c 3 nonprofit. We started out, it's our flagship program is kids flaunt. So it's a, a program that we run in partnership with scholastic every fall in elementary schools. um, And, uh, you know, kids are prompted uh, to either write an essay or create a piece of art um, inspired by our theme, The Things That Make Me Different Make Me Me. And um, we run that contest. And, you know, I call it a contest because, yeah, there's prizes for sure and things like that. But the most important part is that teachers are delivering it to to their classrooms. And, you know, there was, in my view, um, a gap in their curriculum in school. So kids would come back. We do it in the fall because kids come back from school and they're in in a new class, new kids. They don't really know each other, or maybe they do, maybe they don't. And what what has the teachers been asking them to write about? Tell us about your vacation. What did you do? What kind of camp did you go to? And, And in fact, you know, so DHIFI is an organization that um, works to promote um, empowerment as well as um, teach empathy. And so, you know, the, we're cognizant of the fact that there are, you know, books and signs and things that say, choose kindness, be kind, all that stuff. And that is a goal and a, a really great goal. But um, Don't Hide It Flaunted is here to sort of navigate them and help them along the way to reach that goal. Um, and also, um, I should say one more thing because Ethan and I talk about this a lot as much as it's, it, it, we think that kindness goal is only part way, um, kids that are different actually, you know, for us, it's like, don't just choose kindness, choose friendship. Um, you know, a kid that's different you know especially in this pc day and age um parents will encourage their kids to be like oh that kid's different so don't you be cruel to him you know or her right, and almost separates them off and makes them feel like a charity case by the
0: way versus treating them like an actual person that you would say be a friend to that
1: person go find out who they are what are they like what are they interested in exactly and so um so our program is intended to Build upon you know the fact that again back to that someone versus you know turning them from a something to a someone you can be kind to a something if you will but you can be a friend to someone that you get to know and I think that's the most important point I mean don't since then um, don't have it flaunted. Um, You know, we have programs that we run in middle schools and high schools. I mentioned the Project Flaunt program and Ethan's Flauntic Club. We have a junior ambassador program as well um, that's very community service-based. And now we've even expanded um, to diversity inclusion programming in Fortune 500 companies, um, including flaunted programs for take your kid to work day, but also for adults um, where, where we focus on having leadership in companies um, because tone from the top, having leadership recognize, you know, uh, and and set the stage uh, for their employees to say, look, uh, my daughter has autism or I am, you know, XYZ or I have Lyme disease. I mean, and it's really incredible the power that Don't Hide It Flaunted is able to encourage when when a leader can um, voice pride in their own difference and again set the stage for for the their staff.
0: Yes. And I, and I I want to kind of talk to people about how they can even get involved because I I came on board obviously because of my son and what you know That that I thought this is a perfect program for him and he did a kid's flaunt So he wrote an essay and you published it which made him feel like a million bucks But that was a big reach for him This is not a kid that a wanted to tell people what was going on or b wanted to write an essay about it and include a picture for god's sakes, but doing that exercise really gave him a lot of confidence but then when he joined the junior ambassador program and he started it in his uh, school and in his little town, you know, our little town, um, he got this group together and they came together to talk about their differences and to, you know, do charity work together, to reach out to the community. So I think that's a big, you know, plus for not only, you know, there's, there's, even when you're, you know, putting an essay out or you do project flaunt, you're still relatively isolated. You're definitely getting, you know, a, a nice amazing feeling from being part of a community, but to take it the, to the next step, I think, you know, having the the, the project, the the uh, Flaunt, you know, Ethan's Club, having the junior ambassador program, taking it to your school, taking it, you know, taking what we're doing and taking it to your school and your community and making it, making it a physical thing really even brings that support and that empathy and that, you know, programming really to life. So let's talk about how people can, Get involved with, with Don't Hide It, Flaunt It, adults and kids.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I, there's there really is a menu. Of, uh, uh, if you go to our website, you can see a men, menu of different mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's donthideitflauntit.com, which is a mouthful. Um, someone else took DHIFI, so that was kind of frustrating. But you can also <laughs> But here's my little secret, because my name is Meg Zucker. Megzucker.com will get you there, too. So. <laughs> I know, but either way, um, that is, the, that's the way to get there. And so you can start to see the different types of programs that we have on our website. Um, and also our emails, dhifi.inc at gmail.com. And, you know, if you're interested In um, a program that you've seen on the website, you can write to us and then we'll get back to you. Our executive director um, will likely get back to you or someone um, from Don't Had It Flaunted to just explore. And and this is the most important point, Liz, is to tailor um, the program for yourselves, your school. Um, On the other hand, if you just kind of want to have your kid feel empowered like Landon did um, with his own essay, there is on the website a submitted... A submit a flaunt um, accessibility so that you could just submit the your child flaunt. And by the way, it's not just child. We have teenagers, children, and and guests, which we which are adults that uh, submit their essays to us too. And then we usually turn around within a week and then um, focus on the right publishing date and so forth. And we try to publish um, you know the majority of submissions. But I have to say, the only time we really Don't is because the person really wants to write their own memoir of their life, and they, you know, and and the purpose is a little different. But other than that, that's how you access us.
0: Okay. And what I mean, this kind of brings me to you know, this whole podcast is really about inspiring women to leap for greatness. And certainly, you know, along with your law career and your big job that you have fighting, (laughs) I can't even believe what your job is. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Sometimes I can't believe what I talk to. Yeah, <laughs> get rid of bad people. Um, but what would you say to women who maybe have a difference and sort of are hiding their difference or just not you know, living to their full potential? What would you say to those women?
1: I, I like to speak in visuals. Um, one of mine is, it, I refer to it as a dignity ladder. Um, and I think we all have our own personal dignity ladder Um, I certainly as I described my life hiding my hands. Um, that's when I certainly was at the bottom of you know bottom rung of my ladder And uh, one of the things that i've come to learn um, and i'll tell a little story about this is you know You don't have control over The way people think about you and my story is the following when I was just graduating law school in new york I was walking down the street in Greenwich Village, and uh, these two guys around my age, not much older, um, walked by me, and one said, oh my gosh, did you see her? She looks like a monster. And the one next to him said, really, I just thought she was pretty. And then I was like, <laughs> oh my god, say, I'm so pretty. But, but, but my point was, is that- But what a difference, my God. Yes, and it was, it was a enlightening moment um, and this realization that, wow, there are so many people out in this world and I have no control and they're going to come at me time and time again and I can't change how the world is perceiving me. And the only w- only uh, power I have is to um, you know discover and identify my own self-love and begin not to worry about what people think about me. And once I let go of that, judgment, then I saw that I started climbing my dignity ladder. I started, you know, reaching the top. And when you get to the top, you know, you're at the top because you start to realize, you're like, wow, I just really, and this, this is not just about you. This is about your children too. Really hard. I will tell you as a person who gave birth to my difference, it's much harder having people stare at my own kids and even my own person. (laughs) So it's hard. I know it is letting go of that and, and teaching your children that the concept of the dignity ladder and, and realizing the power and strength, um, of that is, is I think th- what I would guide people towards and it's really that sort of letting go mentality of that.
0: Yeah. And I will say that that dignity ladder, and I love that you, that's such a great analogy. I love that I'm going to use that. Um, but what I, when I, Talk to you, even when I, you wrote an article for, um, the warrior moms, I, one thing that i had already started working with you, you know, Landon was already on board to write this essay, but when you wrote that essay and you talked about the moment that your son was on the basketball team, or it was like the summer basketball team or league or something. I don't know what it was, but they, they were going to give him an award and you were so annoyed. Tell me why. Tell me why you were so annoyed they were going to give him an award
1: yeah, you know it's funny because i um it was the uh, inspirational player award um and I've come full circle since that moment. I was so mad. not only did they give him the inspirational player award, but they gave it to him year after year and and I just felt like he's just himself like what the heck like why why is you know why do people have to why do people have to do this? What, you know, it
0: felt like he was being, in a weird way, unfairly singled out. Like, like, oh, he's the special one. You know, like he's, like you, th- you were kind of feeling like. This is not even, like, this is just who he is. Like, you don't need to give him an award every year because he's just being a person and joining a damn basketball team. Like, you know, like, you were really annoyed. You were really, really annoyed. And I was like, I so identify with you on that because it's not that I don't want my son to have awards or that I don't want him to have accolades or or of course I want those things. But for, for things that are like, things he's doing or feeling or, or possessing, fine. But like, it's just, sometimes it can feel like that. But then you had a total
1: one- 80. Yeah, I did have 180 and I'm trying to, I've written so much on so many articles, so I'm hoping I'm referring back, but I will tell you what my mind is, is that we came to this realization that, you know, if, if giving Ethan the inspirational player award means that the shorter kid will like try to jump higher and the, you know, and it really just serves as a motivation for everyone to be the best, their best selves, then. You know what? It's okay. And it's all right. I hope that's what I wrote, but I- well, so you, you talked about how your husband was like, "Meg, he's oh, yeah. inspiring people."
0: I don't think you realize. I mean, that's kind of what you're saying, but, yeah. but what you had what you had kind of negated in your mind was the fact that he was doing that. Yes. He yes, he is the most inspiring player because he does have this difference and it is harder for him to play and he's showing up and showing out and doing his best. And so he was inspiring. It wasn't like they were just giving him the award because like he's the kid that has, you know, this going on. They were giving it to him because he was inspiring people. And then when you saw him get on the microphone or ex- accept this award and saw the pride that he had, you were like, I need to calm down. I need to just calm down.
1: Yeah. 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 Thank you for the reminder. I mean, it, it's so true. And you know, the, the, the hard part, um, and it's kind of a pill to swallow is, you know, when you have a physical difference, um, that's blatant in life, um, you do serve a role or you can serve a role and it's your choice. And and you can also, I mean, believe me when I'm, I've been at my mental worst, you know, I've been frustrated, resentful, you know, all these kind of things. Like, why are all these people trying to help me? Can't they just see that I'm who I am? Um, and then I also realized something, which is, oh my gosh, what am I doing? Why am I biting the heads off of people that feel good about what I'm doing? And in fact, I better be careful because if I continue this, then I might actually thwart kindness. I might thwart other people's sort of, you know, the lesson it, of it all, the lesson yes,
0: of it all. Yeah,
1: exactly. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, the, the Excel basketball moment was an important one and something that I'm glad you raised because, um, and it, it, and it describes that even though I myself have a physical difference, um, look, most mothers don't share their difference with their, that their child has, Um, but it doesn't matter (laughs) because we all, we all kind of feel this, you know, Uber protection of our kids and, um, and what you start, it kind of goes down the same theme, which is letting it go and allowing, allowing yourself to feel really, really confident that what your place to be, what you're doing is meant to be and it turns out into a positive.
0: Yeah. And it, and it has. All right. So we're going to go into our speed round questions. Um, What is a a mantra, not a mantra. I don't know
1: why that wrote mantra. What is a (laughs) mantra or quote you live by? Um, I had a very dear friend um, who's no longer with us, um, but she had my favorite, favorite mantra, which is what you think of me is none of my business. I love that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, so, yes. For, so that's my favorite mantra. But what by you far. think of me is none of my mind. business. And I, I would tell you that um, my for my children, I taught them the kid version, which is I don't care what you think about me. And when I when Ethan was bullied, and I was doing role playing with him, that was the that was the line I would give to him as we were role playing, anticipating future kids being mean. You know what you think of me is none of my business, or I don't care what you think about me. It, it's 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 the same thing, just a a child version of it. Yes. What
0: simple thing do you do for yourself, like a self care tip that you could give our listeners?
1: Um, that's interesting. Uh, self care tip. I I would say I, I would be a hot mess if I didn't work out as much as I do. <laughs> so I and I really mean that because. Um, I think it helps me clear my mind. Oh yes, yeah. So I, self care. I, I it's not so unique, but um, I I would say that. And then the other self care tip um, I have is um, I have a grateful book that Oprah told me to do like 15 years ago and told all of us to do. But I've continued that along that line. Um, a I gratitude think, journal is that what a you're gratitude talking? journal? Yes, yeah. Yes, yes. yeah. And it helps put things, especially now, you know, people are so strung out with everything going on, but the gratitude journal um, is something I've done for many uh, years and I don't necessarily do it every day. And it's always not momentous. Sometimes it's, I am grateful that, you know, I didn't have to wear my jacket for the first time since the winter was over. I mean, it can be things like that, or it can be momentous. Like I'm grateful I watched my child have someone stare at him and he just smiled back. I mean, there can be bigger things and smaller things, but I'd say those two things. Oh, I love that. Okay, what makes you feel unstoppable? Um, I would say uh, back to where we were saying, just witnessing the um, these kids that felt shame and and now are shining. You know that you know even you know we mentioned Landon. I mean the countless numbers of stories that I'm hearing where kids are emotionally growing and coming to a um, a place of peace. Um, and that's, I guess what I was, uh, about to kind of circle back on the bullies, you know, bullies prey on, on kids that are, um, insecure because they're insecure for their own reasons. And, and so when, when I see these kids feeling empowered and feeling strong and mentally strong, um, I know that they're un, untouchable. So what makes me unstoppable when I see these kids be, that become untouchable? I love, oh, I love that Meg. Who do you most admire? That is so easy for me, my father. He's actually a diplomat, so he's, I, I admire him for many reasons, including, you know, all the things he's done professionally. But he was able to parent me from the beginning with a no pity party type of um, attitude. In other words, if I, ever so often I would just, I called them pity parties, I would just come home and cry. Like, I don't want to be looking like this. And, And he would let me cry for about a minute and say, okay, now ride your bike. You know, I played trombone, I played tennis. I mean, in a good way, I should say, he's not a very, he's not very emotional person. He's a very loving person, but not emotional. And so he wouldn't let me um, just sort of dive into the drama of of what it can because I think there's certain people, in fact, I'll just say this. Um, he has a cousin who once told me, you know, it's a good thing that your dad um, and my mom too, of course. I don't mean not her too, but you know that they raised you um, where they didn't overprotect you. And she's like, I would have had you, you know, uh, in a bubble in the house, in a bubble, <laughs> and yes, yes. And I think our and so um, I admire my father because he he set me up for the success, not only personally, but as I would be as a parent of kids that are different too.
0: Well, that's amazing. That's a good lesson right there. Um, what is exciting you the most right now? Um well, gosh, <laughs> that's really funny. You have um, to be optimistic and ho- hopeful hopeful well, just the craziness
1: going on in the world. Yeah. Um, I guess I think what's exciting me the most is I've been doing this for a long time, but um what's exciting me the most is that. Uh, we're at a time I'm seeing we're at a time where there's always been a need for programming, like don't hide it, flaunt it. But I'm, I think I'm most excited seeing how many people are responding to it and open to it and th- seeking it. Um, you know, I th- I think that excites me the most because it it tells me that um, you know our efforts and our programs um, will reach uh, people. You know. Uh, Near and far, and and then I'm seeing really that wonderful um just escalation of of you know acceptance. That I I'd say ten years ago, I, I I think it was more of a constant, like, well, this is what it is. What do you think? And people were sort of mixed. I could tell some people are open, not, but I think that that's that's what excites me the most. How 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 people are perceiving and open to it. Yeah, seeking it out. I love
0: that so much. Well, thank you, Meg. Thank you for all the work that you do. Thank you for using your life and changing all these lives. It's just incredible. It's incredible. It gets me emotional thinking about it. You're one small girl, because you are very tiny. I love to feel <laughs> like eight feet tall. You are one small woman, but let me tell you, you pack a punch.
1: Well, I am, do. I am so grateful um, for your listeners to spend the time with us today and would love to hear from them. So if people want to see an email, or like you said, post a comment. I'm, I'm super excited to hear their own stories.
0: Yes, I am too. And I'm going to put all of this in the show notes, you guys, so you can get in touch with Meg. You can get in, talk, find out about the programming. We'll put the website in there and everything about Meg and how to get in touch. But thank you, Meg. Thank you. you. And
1: Thank you so much. Bye, Warrior
0: Moms. You guys yeah, are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you for joining me today, everyone. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. That is the best. This is Conversations with Warrior Women. This is me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye.